Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. My name is Brian Black. I'm with my co-host, Charlie Guild, and this is Mentor Monday, brought to you by Discover a Mentor. At Mentor Monday, we sit down with inspiring mentors and leaders from various backgrounds to gain and share insights about business and life. Now, what all of these guests have in common is a genuine interest in helping others, and mentoring has played an important part of their life. We feel pretty strongly about the power of sharing the stories of authentic people, and we think you will too. So please follow and like this podcast. It really does help get the word out. And if while you're listening, you think of someone that would make a good guest, please nominate them at info at discoverementor.com. And now for today's interview. How you show up online really does change everything. Over the last decade, today's guest has taught thousands of people how to use social media. They've included CEOs, entrepreneurs, financiers, politicians, journalists, priests, and artists. You name the profession, Tracy Samantha Goodhart has likely taught someone in it. And the one thing that almost everyone had in common? Fear. Fear of making a mistake, falling behind being judged, or worse, fear of being canceled. As Tracy will share, these fears are valid. Social media has an ugly side with real consequences. An error by one person or a misinterpretation by another can be easily magnified, gutting all that you've worked for in minutes. She will also share that much of the difficulty in fear is far from being theoretical. She has lived through some of the battles and learned to incorporate the lessons. She is brave and bold, and as you will see, Tracy Samantha Goodhart is 100% authentic. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh my gosh, amazing intro. Thank you for having me. Happy Hi, Tracy. Tracy. Hi, Charlie. Brian, why so, don't you start off with the Fast Five? We'll do it, man. I'll, I'll jump right in. We're going to get warmed up with the Fast Five. Okay, Tracy, finish this statement. My unfair advantage is? Uh, I would say my height. Everybody thinks I'm shorter than I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm not short. I'm tall. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. But they're always saying, wow, you're taller than I thought. Uh, all the time. <laughs> if you unexpectedly got 24 hours to be in your favorite place in the whole wide world, where would that be? And what would you do with those 24 hours? Yeah, my favorite place would probably be Washington, D.C. Uh, I used to live there and I loved walking all over the city. It's just very beautiful, very international, very diverse and vibrant. would love to just literally walk it for probably 24 hours straight. Interesting. That's great. All right, Tracy. DC too. Do clothes make the person or do the person make the clothes? Oh, the person makes the clothes for sure. It's all about how you wear the clothes. Do you read more fiction or nonfiction? Oh, so being a former journalist, I am addicted to the news and nonfiction. I'm getting into fiction reading again because I just need a break. Who needs who needs who needs fiction when you got this craziness going on these last three years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Tracy, so do you swear sometimes when making a point? What's, what's your relationship with swearing? 
Oh my God. I swear all the time. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, newsrooms are very, um, we're very, let's say, not safe for work kind of environments, and yet they were workplaces, our workplaces. Uh, so I swear like a sailor. Oh, to be sounds a fly like a, on the wall. Sounds like yeah. I picked the wrong profession. <laughs> Especially on deadline. Yeah, okay, I, thought so you were, was... I thought you were a newsman the first minute I met you, Charlie. I'm not sure if I want to know why you think that, but we'll move on. So that was the fast five. And now, Tracy, we want to take a couple minutes to learn a little bit about you, the person. How did you get to where you are? What were your, your early influences and such? So let me start out. Um, what did you think you, would, you were going to be when you were, grew up while you were, when you were a child? A journalist. So you knew? I did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, among many other things. I used to, I made my little newspaper when I was like eight and sold it door to door. I think it made like 30 cents on our block. Um, yeah, so I was always just encouraged to be a writer by my dad, who is also a writer and a historian. And when I was 15, I convinced the editor of our town newspaper to let me write a column called Teen Talk. Um, and it came Can we get a shout out for the local newspaper? What was the paper called? Uh, it was called the Parkridge Herald Advocate. It was owned by Pioneer Press, which was later bought by the Chicago Tribune. Um, and Teen Talk ran every other week in the newspaper. And my photo was in the newspaper. And it was so popular in our town that it got syndicated into like 16 other town newspapers when I was 17. And I just kept going, just kept doing the journalism thing. And um, do you want me to keep going? Please, yeah, great. Yeah. So I did not get into my first choice school, which was Northwestern's Mendel School of Journalism, because... I didn't have the best grades because I was too busy being a journalist, I think, at that time. Um, <laughs> so I ended up having, I think, seven internships in college. And I graduated college year early and interned at Time Magazine in Washington, D.C. in 2004. And uh, it was really funny. The first time I interned there, uh, my, my boss was Jay Carney, who would later become uh, Barack Obama's uh, press secretary. But Jay... Uh, he was my boss and he was an amazing boss and I was the most obnoxious intern ever because I kept pitching stories to him and the other editor and they kept rejecting them. And then finally one day Newsweek picked up the story I had pitched to our editors that had rejected it. And so I remember that and the next week I uh, pitched another idea and they shot it down in the meeting and I said, you really shouldn't do that because the last time you did that, Newsweek ran it. <laughs> And apparently all like 16 correspondents, well, they were silent and somebody thought I was going to be fired. And then the other editor started laughing and said, who hired this girl? And somebody said, you did. And he said, just because she's sassy. And they gave me a, job, a story assignment and I got my byline in the magazine uh, that week. I was 20. And uh, I ended up coming back to work at time a couple of years later as an intern again. And they ended up hiring as a reporter, so I was the youngest reporter at time. Well, it's belated, but congratulations. That's fantastic. It is. Thanks. Okay, yeah. Tracy, what is your central truth? My central truth is that we all have gifts um, that we are meant to use in the world, and I believe that we are at a pivotal point in human history that we have these amazing platforms to be able to 
share our gifts with the world. And that's ultimately what I help people do is figure out how do they share those gifts using the power of social media. Great. And I, I want to dive into that in a little bit. I've got a couple questions specifically about that. But before we get there, who or what unexpectedly taught you a valuable lesson? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my journalism professor at Georgetown, who nearly failed me. <laughs> so I took summer school. Um, I was interning at time at Georgetown and I did a story assignment. And I guess I didn't cite my source well enough. And he gave me an F on that assignment and ultimately gave me a D in the course to teach me a lesson about plagiarism. And because of that, I did not graduate summa cum laude. And I always will remember to cite my sources as a result. Wow. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> what was the lesson what? in retrospect, was the lesson more valuable than the designation? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, especially in this era of fake news. I'm always saying to people like, okay, what's your source? Like, literally give me your source. Come on now. Like, really? Are you just making this up? So it's very important. Good on you. Well, maybe you just answered it, but but I'll, I'll go into this question too. Can you share with us one or maybe two touchstones in your life where you were motivated by someone or something that helped you carve your path? Yeah, so I already mentioned Jay absolutely. He was one of those people, um, you know, he had never really had an intern before. Um, so I don't think he knew what to do with me <laughs> at the bureau. Um, and I was obnoxious and he never told me I was obnoxious. He just kind of rolled his eyes. was like, oh, she'll grow out of it. She's really talented. Let's just keep her going and ignore her obnoxiousness. <laughs> um, and when I, when I left later, I, years later, I took a buyout and, uh, he just said, you're going to be a great writer. Just, you know, keep at it. And I, I hope one day he reads my stuff because um, I haven't talked to him in a while, but I know that he would be very, I think, proud and happy that I'm writing again. You asked for two, didn't you? Yes. One or two. No, it's, it's keep going. This is all about you. <laughs> oh, my stars. Uh, my English teacher in high school, Mr. Dinez, was probably my other uh, encourager other than my father who I've talked about earlier um, and he taught me another lesson which was <laughs> I did kind of love an assignment once and backdated a bunch of posts that were supposed to be um, you know we're supposed to do it every day and I did and I did them all like at one time cause such a journalist waiting until the last second and he gave me an F I think this is a recurring theme in my life <laughs> and um, I came forward <laughs> and told him the truth about why I did it. And he later like gave me an A minus because apparently I had integrity for coming clean. So another wow. great encourager. Yeah. I really don't usually lie and I don't love things. So these are just like two examples of lessons. It's kind of funny. Well, we put you back there though, because it's the first material to help you figure out why you are, why you are right. So it's all good. Yeah. Um, where do you currently look for motivation? the internet um, I love TikTok it's my new favorite place uh, it's so vibrant and full of creativity and authenticity and it's just incredible what so many teenagers and young adults are doing there now today's interview is being brought to you by our partners at discover a mentor discover mentor is the online mentoring platform that brings mentors 
proteges and companies together in a way that's simple and intuitive. At Discover Mentor, they believe that when goodness is supported, greatness is revealed. Join Discover Mentor now to reveal your greatness. The Hyatt Place Chicago Wicker Park, where style, innovation, and 24-7 convenience create a perfectly seamless stay. The Hyatt Place. Hashtag, why settle? Our friends at Incredible Bank in Madison, Wisconsin. Incredible Bank believes a lasting relationship with your bank starts by providing incredible customer experiences in every aspect of your banking relationship. And our production partners at Trend North. Trend North helps companies and senior executives close the gap between their ideas and actions by providing them with scalable brand development and tactical marketing resources. And now, back to this week's conversation. So Tracy, thanks so much for sharing your background and and it's kind of fascinating. just knowing that you were so driven early and could have had some real setbacks. Um, talk to us uh, about today and going forward now, if you could, please. Um, for example, on your on your website, you shared a story about being Twitter bullied while presenting at a journalism conference. Um, could you tell the listeners a little more about what happened and what was the lesson it taught you? Yeah, for sure. Um, so at the time, I was an editorial director of a website called Chicago Now, which still exists. It's a network of blogs uh, owned by the Chicago Tribune. And what happened was I was actually attending a journalism conference um, at the time, although I quickly became kind of the thing that everybody paid attention to in the room or the person, I should say, was because we had a blogger on our website, an anonymous police officer, right, about a black man who had been killed by police. Uh, a couple of days earlier. And the post that the cop wrote was an honest take on essentially having real problems with systemic racism in the criminal justice system. And so he was writing his take on it and it was very insensitive. I don't think it was racist, but I do think it was very insensitive. But other people on Twitter, including the editor of a competing publication, thought it was racist. And it just so happened that that editor decided to write a hundred tweets uh, in a few hours, starting at the height of this journalism conference, when probably about 100 journalists were in one room together in Chicago. So I think that timing was a little too coincidental to not be intentional. Anyway, I was in the room and my phone started blowing up, uh, saying that I, you know, my colleagues and I were running a racist website at the Chicago Tribune. And within five, 10 minutes, pretty much everybody in the room stopped looking at the speaker and watched me watch my phone blow up. And as editorial director of the site, um, I kind of had my hands tied because my editor and the other editors of the Tribune obviously wanted to make a call on what to do, and I couldn't do anything sitting in that room. So I left, and I was 26 years old, and I thought I was done. And, um, you know, after that, I think what was so hard about it was that it wasn't just being called out on Twitter, you know, from the privacy of the Tribune Tower. It was sitting in a conference with literally a hundred journalists and media types and funders in one room looking at you, thinking that you are running a racist website or wondering if it is. And I uh, really shut down after that because I didn't want to make a misstep because I, I just was so horrified that everything I had tried to create in terms of giving people a platform to express themselves had backfired in such a horrific way. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> what was the question? Well, I just... so, so what was the outcome after that? Like what, yeah. what, what was the lessons you took away from that? Yeah. So unfortunately I shut down after that, you know, 
I I decided I never wanted to be attacked or accused of being racist. Not that I was accused of being racist, but accused of running a racist website. And um, I just, it essentially turned into PTSD. I know that now after on the other side of therapy. Um, and I, I didn't want to be attacked again. And so I became a very um, vanilla-like person online and in real life. I never shared my opinions. I never said anything confrontational. I always seemed positive and happy. And I was really, really, really depressed. And it got worse and worse and worse because social media can perpetuate um, how we are. So if we have a proclivity towards anxiety or depression, it can exacerbate that based on how we use social media. And so by 2017, which was several years later, seven years later, actually, I kind of hit rock bottom. And I took a year off social media, largely. You can't really quit social media when your entire career is built on social media, it turns out. (laughs) Because what happens is people find out you, you know, are good at social media, and they give you the company's social media profiles to run. Uh, So I never really got away from it. Um, But ultimately, I did a lot of therapy and a lot of trauma work using a technique called EMDR, which is used by veterans to clear up PTSD. And I got better and realized that I didn't want to quit social media because I believe it has so much potential for good. So I just figured out a better way to use it, which is now what I help everybody else to do as well. That's, that's very vivid. Thank you for sharing that. I, it, it hits clearly close to home on so many fronts. We're, so many of us are trying to manage the social media pie that's in front of us. And you watch a guy like Pete Davidson, who with what he went through, similar bullying, he just goes, look, I'm, I'm out. You're not going to find me on Twitter. You're not going to find me here or there. But he's got the luxury of having people around him to keep him informed and to keep his brand or keep his business moving. Um, many of us don't. So that's very, very real and very vivid. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm glad to hear that we got you back and um, that you figured out your way out, right? It's interesting that you said about um, not everybody has that kind of that privilege to just quit. That's actually what I believe too, very much so. Most of us, we need to use social media to advance our careers and and run our businesses in in certain ways. Many of us do anyway. Um, So I believe so adamantly in this kind of work because I think if we don't have social media, we're often at a disadvantage. All right, so let's continue to build on that. Um, I think like the internet was to us in the 1990s, here in the 2020s, I think it's safe to assume that social media is here to stay. It's not going away. Um, It seems like so many of us, as I was just saying, um, are are struggling how to best incorporate it into our lives, into our careers, into our work as a meaningful tool. What advice would you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one thing I always say is you need to get intentional about how you want to show up online and also at the same time about what you're taking in online. So I'll talk about the latter first. Like we are what we eat, right? So we're also what we are, what we consume. And so it's really about thinking, you know, is what I'm taking in empowering me, inspiring me, making me laugh, making me learn? Or is it making me feel like crap? Is it making me question everything? Is it essentially not even accurate? Is it distorted? Like just being really thoughtful about what you're taking in can really just change how you view the world to start. And then also that will help you to think about, okay, how are other people showing up online? And so what can I learn from what other people are doing? You know, what can I borrow? What can I, you know, maybe tweak for me? 
Um, or what might I do completely differently because I just don't see it in the world like I think it should. And so then it's really going out in the world and saying like, okay, who am I? What do I care about? What do I want to do in the world? But as it relates to social media, who do I ultimately want to serve? Like who are the people that I want my content to help or to inspire or to make them laugh? You know, because social media, even though it's about, even though it's us creating it through our own voices and our own profiles, we're ultimately creating it for other people. And we need to remember that first and foremost, whenever we show up online. I think that's great. I think you hit the nail on the head to me using the word serve. I, if, if I'm going to share a message for it to be meaningful, I need to deliver it. And it needs to be in service to somebody or something. Well said. I, I, I'm with you 100%. Yeah, I like that. And, I'll, and I'll, I'll expand that a little too, because what, what I, I found interesting, you said, you know, what, we got to be careful about what we take in. I think people give so little thought about what they take in and they're, you know, all the studies are showing psychologically how it impacts us because it's yeah. there all the time. And, you know, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if you're sur- searching for certain things that are positive and or negative and it can impact you those ways. It's that's fascinating stuff. And I think it's under, I think it's just underappreciated. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, it's interesting that you talk about how it affects us, you know, psychologically, because, you know, everybody says, oh, social media causes depression, anxiety, or even like suicidal ideation. And multiple studies have found that its usage of social media can cause those things. It's not social media themselves. It's how we use them that can cause us to experience these mental health issues related to it. Right. I just want to make that point. I think you get that too. You know, it makes me makes me question whether or not anybody is doing anything to put together any kind of user guide or their best practices or I've not seen yeah. anything, but maybe it exists. I mean, you know, I, I'm writing it. <laughs> it's coming this you, spring. In my, awesome. My oh, look at that. I did. I did it, not it, know that. If, if you, oh, really? if you, if you if either of you ever seen those those cameras uh, of of like uh, India, the traffic jams in Mumbai, how it's just it's it's chaos. And look at it; it'll give you if you can watch it for thirty seconds, you've done well. It that to me is what I I think social media is right now. It's five hundred and sixty thousand cars in one plaza. This guy's trying to go left. This guy's trying to go right. It's like, well, you just go when you go. That to me is I think what it is. So it's funny you say that, Charlie, about the user guide. Kind of a change of gears, Tracy. Why yes. do you mentor? Yeah, for sure. So I mentor because mentoring changed my life. You know, I, I got to go to Time Magazine at 20 years old because somebody decided to give me a break. And then once I got there, even though I was pretty precocious and rather annoying at times, kept going and supporting me. And, and I really just, I believe in paying it forward, but I also believe in, in mentoring. We can learn so much um, from the people that we mentor as well. Right. So I always, everyone I mentor, you know, I learn from them about new ways of doing the internet or new things about culture or just new ways of thinking about things that they're learning. So it's a two way street. Let let me jump in and build on that. So give us your blueprint Um, to you. What's the secret to a successful long-term mentor protege relationship? And and I'll even add based on previous conversation you and I had, um, I think you have a recipe that you're testing out with mentoring online too. Yeah. What's what's the formula and the secret for success in those relationships? Yeah. So I'll go with the first one. I I think a successful mentoring is when, you know, you no longer mentor mentee, but just friends, you know, so many of the people that I mentored eight, 10 years ago are now my peers. 
And so we just have become friends and are sharing uh, advice and supporting each other, you know, job opportunities or client referrals. And it's just lovely. It's so lovely. That's the, that's the dream, I think. Um, in terms of using in mentoring online, I think we can mentor through our content, right? You know, so often people as they become more successful in their careers have less and less time for mentoring one-on-one. But we have this amazing opportunity with social media to mentor thousands or even hundreds of thousands or millions of people through our content. And so I think that that is an amazing opportunity to help, you know, younger people or just people are in different stages of their career move forward. Um, so, you know, I think about a lot. How can my content, we talked about serving earlier, how can my content serve other people who may be, you know, a few years that are few years behind me um, or are just entering the space and from a different you know, angle, you know, how can I help them? And then of course, I'm also learning from other people um, all the time through their content as well. I think that's a great take. I, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I never really thought about it that way. Um, but as I reflect upon it, I remember back literally 10, 15 years ago, I, I was I signed up early for a, a little old guy named James Clear did a, a newsletter and I used to get his newsletter once a week and I would read it voraciously and I'd go through it and he fast forward about 10, 10 years, he wrote a book called Atomic Habits and I absolutely love that book. And I'm halfway through reading it and I'm like, why does this feel so familiar? And I did, an, I did a search on my own inbox and of course I still got them in my inbox. I'm like, oh my gosh, I forgot all about that. that that's fantastic. Crazy. Yeah. Tracy, you've got such an awesome story. Truly, uh, uh, thank you for sharing it. I, I'm thinking about you as you've, you, it's such a young age, like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a journalist. I mean, that's what I'm doing. And you go with the drive. That's, that, that, that fascinates me. Um, what do you want your legacy to be? I want my legacy to be to um, empower, that I empowered everybody to be more of themselves online. You know, I think that's, I think that's it. I do. Um, it kind of is the through line of my entire career, I guess. You know, I was a journalist. I, we didn't talk about why I left, but ultimately I left because I, you know, I had covered the rise of social media at Time Magazine, specifically the rise of Facebook and uh, developed breaking news while covering um, Virginia Tech. I used Facebook to find eyewitnesses and realized that Facebook was, um, when I covered, sorry, I used Facebook to find eyewitnesses after the shooting of Virginia Tech, which was the deadliest shooting in American history at that time. And what I realized was social media was going to change our world. And I wanted to be a part of it because I just believe that this gives everybody an equal platform to express themselves and to connect with each other. And I think flash forward, you know, 15, 20 years later, I believe it more adamantly than ever. And I believe that it can be used for good and in powerful, healthy, creative, transformative ways. But we need to figure out what those are. And I, I want to be a part of that. Well, for what it's worth, for what it's worth, Tracy, let me just say this. I, the, the not asking you why you're not still in journalism wasn't necessarily intentional, but it was maybe, I don't know that it was a miss on my part, but maybe it's a commentary on my part that, I've been following you on LinkedIn for a while and I don't think you're out of journalism. The, the integrity in which you share, the way you, which you share, the authenticity, the, you, you 
anybody that reads you can read that you're coming at it from the highest aspect of what a journalist should be. So I don't know that you ever left in my experience. Thank you. That really, really means a lot. I do miss it a lot being in newsrooms, but I, I like teaching more actually than being a reporter. I think the reason my classes, so I've taught thousands of people over the last decade. I think the reason the classes are so popular is that I, I never try to tell people what to do. I just tell them, okay, here's option A, here's option B. You, you decide what to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think in a very polar world right now, that's so important to just give everybody the choice to decide what to do versus tell them what to do. Right. And, and yeah. Charles, just getting back to something you said a minute ago, what the hell is LinkedIn? No, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about what you say in, in it, that, that, that funny, that um, it's like a Kung Fu saying, you know, we, we, we have all this, this, we have a way that we can all reach the world. We all can get an audience, all of us. And there's great power in that, but there's great, there's also great responsibility and um, kind of an interesting, interesting world that we're in right now. Obviously I, I, uh, um, I'm an, I'm an, uh, uh, social media noob still. I'm, I'm, I know of it, but I don't really utilize it to the, to its fullest effect. Why? Um, I think it's, uh, uh, Charlie, you didn't say she was going to interview me. Oh, dude. sorry. Uh, no, I'm kidding you. I'm, oh, I'm totally kidding. I'm totally Such kidding. a journalist um, over here. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, what are you, a journalist for crying out loud? Don't you grill me? No, it's so funny. To say I, I, I think it's, uh, it, it's, it's probably a little bit of fear, spiced with a little bit of uh, ignorance. Um, it, it is a, there is a bit of a fear. Uh, oh, I, I always think in my head too, and this is Charlie. We can completely edit this out. Which you, I think Charlie's already stopped the recording. No, <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to keep rolling out the, the the rope for you. Go ahead, hang yourself. <laughs> Hold on a second. I got to go get a shovel. I'll be right back. But I think, <laughs> Tracy, I think it's a, a part of it in my head is who the hell cares what I have to say? That's just me. me and that's it. That's a, that comes from my own personal interior, interior, internal thoughts. But that's, you know, it's kind of what it is. I think everybody feels that way, though, unless they're a complete raging narcissist. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I Seriously. Literally, have heard this from thousands of people. Oh, in various ways, it, it's you're scared of being judged, or attacked, or rejected, or laughed at, or mocked, or imitated, or right. canceled, as we said. And I, 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 I guess the question is: is if you don't put yourself out there, what are you losing, or what is the world losing? Right. Well, let me let me add this though too. I think good social media is a, a good arena for social media shows up a lot like a good orchestra where we're, we have different instruments and we're playing different parts and different sounds. Brian, you're fantastic at teasing questions out, reading the room, reading a situation and helping people find what's up for them. Maybe it's not you with a megaphone saying, look at me. It's you with a megaphone saying, let's talk about you or this situation. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys should be on Clubhouse. You'd be so good together. <laughs> well, okay, that's another one. You, I just, I've just looked up this LinkedIn. Apparently, it's a professional networking site. <laughs> so, thank you so much. I, I think it's, I do think it's fascinating, and I do see the value in it. And it's, um, 
uh, it's here's what's ironic about me. I have not met a stranger. I will meet. I love, 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 love people. I, I meet people in face to face in person. I love that. Isn't that wild? But when it comes to like the social media, I'm like, oh. <laughs> anyway, Tracy, Samantha Goodhart, it was so much fun learning about you. Truly. Thank you for taking the time coming on and talking to us about your experiences. Fascinating stuff. Truly appreciate it. Um, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they can find me on social media. Shocker. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn and Tracy Goodhart. Uh, and also on Instagram at Tracy.goodhart. And then uh, our website is sociallyauthentic.com. And then uh, we'll be rolling out a newsletter in the next couple of weeks. You can sign up for the newsletter at sociallyauthentic.com. On behalf of Charlie Guild and me, Brian Black, we'd like to thank you all again. Today, we have come to you from atop the Hyatt Place Chicago Wicker Park home of the Kennedy rooftop. What an awesome view it is, right, Charlie? It is. Um, so until next time, thank you for listening to Mentor Monday, and we look forward to you joining us again. <laughs>